Welcome to Harmonious Equestrian Connection. Today is the ninth in the series about heart horses. We will be talking about our special relationships with our heart horses, how we define heart horse, and how to improve our relationships with the horses in our lives. Joining me today is Lynn Nelson Mason, a dressage rider and former eventer. Thank you so much for joining me, Lynn. Thank you for asking me to be part of this. Uh, absolutely. So Lynn and I met through a GMO a membership organization here in our area called the CSDEA is the short term, Central States Dressage and Eventing Association. We were both on the board at the time. I think we may have met briefly at the horse shows or something, but we got to know each other better there. Right, that's right. Yeah, we had we had known one another. Um, and specifically, I was going to say our, our involvement with CSDEA's board was um, as as volunteers on the board, and we had known one another at horse shows as volunteers um, and as fellow competitors too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've had several horses in your life. Which one would you like to start with first? Well, so so it's interesting. Um, you, the topic of your uh, of your pod is is hard horses, and it gave me a lot to think about because it gave me a lot to think about regarding the horses in my life. And there were, have been several, as you said. The one that I, I usually identify or that I identify as a hard horse, though, would be uh, Tippy, who's um, an off the track thoroughbred. Was an off the track thoroughbred mare. Her um, jockey club name was Key to Topanga. And uh, she was, was slow. So that's why she got retired. And I, when I bought her, she still had her racing plates on from the last race that she raced. And I actually sort of fell in love with her, just seeing her in the stall coming off the track to be sold uh, for some, you know, somebody like me. And mm-hmm. I just felt this really strong connection to her right from the very start. So it was kind of love at first sight. It kind of was. Yeah. It's not a concept that I would say I believe in, but it really was with her. I really felt this really strong connection to her when I saw her and uh, my trainer at the time, knowing that she was just right off the track said, long as you keep her in a program, I think we can do something with this horse. So Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that started my long relationship with her. All right. And she, and she was actually, um, she was coming for, and I had her till she was 19. So we were with one another for a really long time. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about her. What was her personality like? Well, she was, um, she was an interesting horse. And I think because she had started, you know, as a racing, you know, started with a racing career, she had really good ground manners. Um, you could also put little kids or people that knew nothing on her back. And she was very protective of them. Um, when we were at um, Cadler Farm, the kittens would jump on her back on a, on a saddle pad or a quarter sheet. And she would just let them sit up there and she could, would even walk around the arena with them on her back. As long wow. as they were happy and safe, then she was going to protect them and, and, uh, and be good with them. On the other hand, I did a whole lot of dirt inspections because she was um, she was also one, a horse that would say, um, you know, you're not doing this right. Do this right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so she was fairly demanding of me once uh, we started really working together. But she was a, a very social mare. She was very friendly. Um, you could easily um, have seen her as a, as one of those horses. In fact, she was um, a, an example horse at the state fair a couple of times. She was a, the pony horse that you would, that we would go to shows with young baby horses and who'd never gone to a show before. And Tippy was like, yeah, I got it. You got, it. we're okay. We're okay. And in the meantime, she would say, okay, you rider, get your act together and, <laughs> and, and give me what we give, give us what we really need. So mm-hmm. she loved treats. She uh, w- uh, was just a, a really friendly horse. So she was some, a horse that you could approach in the, in the pasture and she would come right up to you. Nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those horses that you can trust with kids or beginners, they're pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and, and it was interesting that she had those sort of two sides to her personality that she was very, she was a good protecting mare. Uh, but she also was demanding of, um, writers that knew something. Yeah. I think a lot of mares nagged. Yeah. Yeah. They challenge us to be better, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, no, you need to ride me better. You need to control your emotions better, whatever it is. They're always trying to teach us something. Right. Right. They have high standards. (laughs) Well, and that's a really good way of putting it. I think that, I think that I would apply that to her, that she had high standards. Okay. She was, she was, um, we did a lot of things together. We would, we trail road and she would go over wooden bridges without a second thought. Um, we did event for a while until she in one spring got her foot stuck in the mud, caught her back foot on the front shoe, pulled it partly off and then stepped back down on the shoe, uh, nail oh. and broke her coffin bone. Oh, it healed, but it never healed so that it was comfortable for her to jump again. So that ended her eventing career and ended her jumping career in general, although yeah. she still would hop over Cavaletti, but nothing that required a, a significant uh, landing. Oh, that's so, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we transitioned to dressage and that was my sort of introduction to how to have an experience that was uh, still a competitive experience, the phase of eventing that we were, that was still sort of open to us. Right. And I won't say she was good because she wasn't really at dressage, (laughs) Uh, but we, she would give it her all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, she tried really hard. I love what you said earlier about how she would take care of the baby horses too, you know, Clearly she knew what all this was about, this showing thing and would show them what to do or how to be calm about it. How to be calm about it. That's exactly it. And she, we, we would go to um, schooling shows with the baby horses and she was, you know, we got it. It's not a problem. Just stick with me and we're, you're good. Uh, and she would really give them, um, you know, that sort of pony confidence uh, that you see the pony horses at the track do with the with the young horses that are just trying to figure out how to be a racehorse. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was her experience. And she was kind of modeling after uh, those horses from the track from her own experience. But she would do that with the horses, the young horses, the baby horses at shows. Yeah. While you said at the same time, challenging you. Yes. Yes. But, and, and she was really kind of, you know, fun to see, well, what else could we do? What else could we do together? We can't jump, but we could, um, we could do pas de We could do quadrilles. We could do um, trail riding that didn't involve jumping. We could Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of things that, that are open to somebody that is still staying on the ground. Right. Good for you for, not, you know, moving her along to someone else or, or giving up on her, but helping her through a difficult physical injury and then seeing what you could do with her and having fun with her and making the most of it. Yeah. The only thing that we never tried, we never tried driving, um, which she was, there were some uh, driving horses at one of the barns where we were, and uh, she considered them very snorty, snortable situations. Yeah. So we never actually uh, tried, tried that out at all. That might be a good choice if she was so scared of it. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned earlier that she liked treats. What were some of her favorites? Did she have favorites or did she just like all of them? You know, that's interesting because once she was on stall rest for an injury and one of the, uh, the barn staff found a list of vegetables and fruits that horses that are good for horses. And we were on our way working through the list to try to figure out, well, which ones does she like and which ones didn't she like? Because she, she liked peppermints. She liked the standard horse treats. All of those things were, were good, good for her. But then we kind of walked, went through the, the list of treats. And because it was winter, t- or excuse me, summertime, um, she was on stall rest. I would make these ice blocks with things in them and put them in her uh, bucket. And she'd 
over the course of a period of time, she would get some water and she'd get find the treats. And um, yeah. celery is was not a treat for her. Oh, celery was right out. And so were bananas, which is odd uh, because there were a number of horses in that barn that really liked bananas. And so that was one of the ones that I threw in her in her ice block. And no, they they wound up as mush in the in the bucket. They were not a treat. Gotcha. Yeah, I've known so, horses that liked bananas mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and grapes even. Did you ever try grapes? I have not tried grapes, although recently I tried pumpkin because oh. I'd read that pumpkin was something that horses like. And uh, my current horse, Zeta, ate a, ate a piece of pumpkin, did the whole flaming thing with her lip all curled yeah. back, trying to figure out what it was. And then I offered her a second piece and she says, yeah, no, that was not a treat. You tricked me, you tricked me to eat in eating it the first time. I'm not going to eat it a second time. So I think it's kind of what they get used to, too. Yeah. When um, I went riding on a trail ride in Hawaii once and they gave the horses star fruit. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, I guess why not? You know, and those horses loved it, but I've never tried that. Well, I think it's, it's, it must be partly what you get them used to, too. I mean, if I fed uh, if we, if I fed a lot of bananas with the horses would probably get used to bananas too. So it'd be, yeah. Yeah. But they, that was, I liked making those ice blocks cause it gave the horse that was on stall rest something to do and something to find and yeah. grapes that hold up great in an ice block. Yeah, they would actually, there's a person at my barn who regularly feeds her horse grapes. And so I gave one to my young Philly uh-huh. and she was like, what is that? Like, I don't know what to do with that. I think she even licked it or something, but like, I don't know how to do this until I bit it open. Oh, and then sure. She could like get at the sweetness inside. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I like those more. Oh yeah. There we go. There's the, there's the treat. Yeah. yeah you were hiding it in that skin. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that it's, it's interesting just to find out, um, you know, we're, we're pretty familiar with the basics of, apples and cook horse cookies and and um um things like that that, and peppermints things that Mm -hmm. carrots things that are pretty traditional but it's kind of interesting just to experiment with grapes and bananas and celery and things like that and see Mm -hmm. if there's something that you can find i was always trying to find too um as i walked out together from the pasture i would try to find a a patch of what looked like tasty grass or clover or something so that I had a treat to offer her. I had a, an offering for her to say, come with me. Um, and here I'm thinking of you already. I'm giving you this nice treat. And she was usually polite enough to take something. (laughs) Good. So what are some of your favorite memories with Dippy? Um, you know, I, I'm, talked a little bit about uh the fact that we did a lot of of things and i i'll have to say that some of my favorite memories of tippy are the really the really small things that we would do um you know us just a ride down the road um where there were were puddles and we would school puddles and we would splash in and out of puddles um she was a she was really good at kind of extending her trot. And so we would sometimes go on little rides and somebody would want to go want to canter and she would just get really low and have these really long trot strides. And it would take a while before she would, would get into a canter um, when we would be um, heading out on the trails sometimes. Water here in Minnesota, we moved to Kansas Uh, and then came back to Minnesota. But while we were in Kansas, we went to our first, we went to, uh, during that time period, we went to our first show that had sponsor signs. And this, we went there the day before so that we could make sure that, you know, the horses got used to the showgrounds and the sponsor signs, we realized she'd never been in a situation where the wind picked up a sponsor sign in an arena and was flapping it. And we were expecting her to jump or expecting her to do something. And I are my whole show experience. This was um, um, her first away show. 
from the off the barn property. Uh-huh. My whole show experience that particular show was we walk into the arena. We don't run to the next county when the sponsor sign flaps and we walk out of the arena and we never jumped anything. We never actually were in any classes. It was just going in and out of the arena and um, believing that sponsor signs weren't going to eat you. Oh, well, baby steps. <laughs> it was baby steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mentioned that she was, um, she had a, a favorite kitten uh, at when we were at Cadler Farm. Uh, Kay, the riding kitten, would ride with her all the time. I've got a little video of Kay, the riding kitten, uh, bobbing along behind her, behind me on the saddle uh, on the quarter sheet. Uh, you know, just some little things like that, that we, we had over the years, either introducing her to new things or her kind of expanding her own horizons and, uh, teaching me new things, uh, about how to be a better, better rider, a better horse person. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say when she was gone and I, I, uh, put out them. So she had, um, she got kicked twice. And the second time she got kicked in a place that broke her front leg uh, high enough up that it couldn't be mended. There was no uh-huh. way to, she would have had to have lied, lying flat on her, on her side uh, for it to mend. And of course, she's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, horses just don't do that. So we had to put it down and that was really hard. And I put out my, um, bona fides as a catch rider for whomever wanted needed a horse uh, ridden uh, for a period of time. And what I discovered was that, so I rode a, a bunch of horses in a short period of time after she passed. And what I discovered was that she had taught me a lot about being a better rider because she was so demanding. And because I wound up, you know, if I didn't do something right, I'd wound up uh, on the ground. Um, they, I really wound up realizing that she was, uh, she was a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a similar experience that I, if anything, felt so frequently humbled by riding her that I didn't think I was a very good rider Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. she was gone and I was riding other horses and people were impressed or surprised or, you know, I I did a better job than anyone thought. (laughs) And it was interesting then realizing what I had learned. And I, I understand, you know, I totally um, understand what you're saying, because that was my experience as well as I felt as though I should have accomplished more with her. When I look back on it, we did a lot of things, but I felt like we never really made a lot of progress that you could measure by the color of ribbons or the score on a, on a dressage test. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I had this, a similar experience to what you just described is that the next horses or the next horse um, benefited by all my time on Tippy mm-hmm. and by Tippy's demanding nature, because then I was actually much more aware of what I should be doing with that horse or those horses. Yeah. So at what point did you know that she was your hard horse? I was riding, um, I was half leasing some, a couple of different horses in a, in a row, looking for a, a horse to buy, looking for that horse that, that seemed like it was the right horse. And Tippy was an off the track thoroughbred. She was a little slow on the track. She only uh, uh, won a little less than $700. So she wasn't a very, uh, a very big moneymaker. And she was culled from her, her herd uh, or her stable and put up for sale. And when I saw her in her stall, having just been announced for sale, I, I really fell in love with her. And I really had a hard time seeing beyond this, uh, this beautiful horse with, you know, kind of a lovely mover. Um, a very merry person, merry personality. Uh, but she was, she at from, it was love at first sight, really. Yeah. With her. She was really quite, 
uh, a quite a compelling horse to me. Yeah. So pretty much all along, you knew there was something special about her. Yeah. You You know, it was interesting too, though. um, I think as you were talking earlier, um, there were times that I really felt like there was, I was never a time that I felt like, oh, I got to get rid of this horse because she's not the horse for me. I always felt like I should be a better rider for her. I should be able to do these things. Uh, and I, and I won't say that we didn't have times that I was totally frustrated with her. I'm sure there were times that she was totally frustrated with me as well, that it, it wasn't all hearts and flowers, but, but there was a commitment between us that we were, that I would, I was committed to being the best person I could for her. Yeah. Um, even though that wasn't always the, the, the easiest path to take. Yeah. I, I absolutely think you're right that the commitment is an important piece of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it should exist in every relationship we have with every horse at the same level, but there's a point yeah. at which you do decide they they have a home with me for life. You right. Know, at, right. And um, you have a responsibility to be the best person and owner and rider that you can for them. And Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting, um, you know, your question um, and your focus on hard horse really got me thinking, um, you know, what happens when your hard horse is no longer there? So uh, it was evident that I had to make the decision to put Tippy down because she was in so much pain and there was not any way around it. And that period of time when I was catch riding, um, I rode a lot of horses. I realized that Tippy had taught me a lot and wound up um, riding for a long period, for an extended period of time, the horse that I currently own, uh, Zeta, Ty Creek Zeta Joe. And after two years, I bought her. And I mentioned this to my current trainer, Heather Selden Kurtz, that at that moment, I felt like the emotions that I'd been holding in check, because this wasn't my horse, you know, it was a horse I was leasing. Mm-hmm. I, I allowed myself, I felt like I could allow myself to have emotional connection to this next horse. Yeah. So it's, it wasn't the I'm a love at first sight kind of thing like it was with Tippy, but there was that that shift in I'm I'm doing this as almost I won't say as a profession because it was because I'm not a professional, but it was this kind of distancing myself mm-hmm. from her emotionally that then I allowed myself to become emotionally connected to her. And I think that really was an interesting shift. It wasn't something that I felt like I did deliberately or on purpose. It was just something that kind of happened. When you chose to buy her and she was now yours. Right. Then you found that you had opened your heart fully. Absolutely. That's absolutely exactly how I felt. And it was a surprise to me that I had felt, you know, I didn't realize that I had had been holding this distance. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like. Yeah. Kind of not a, not a full, full commitment. So now it's interesting thinking about heart horse. Um, Is that, is there room for heart horses? Mm -hmm. Is that something that, that you can, can open up and a connection and what does that connection look like? Do, Do you treat things differently? Do you treat the horse differently? because you have this, this more extended emotional connection, or you're allowing and recognizing an emotional connection to the horse. Um, I think it could be with dogs and cats as well, but, but certainly yeah, part horses, there's something, there's something really powerful about that emotional connection to a horse. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. And you can, I know several people who have had a hard horse and then it's, it's almost like it's difficult to imagine ever having another. Mm -hmm. You had such a close bond, Mm -hmm. such a special relationship. 
you, Mm -hmm. you know, now you're riding another horse and you like them a lot. Maybe they're even yours. And it's still like, well, but it's not the same bond. And of course it's not, they're a different personality, right? But can it be as close in, in their own way? I think it can. You know, well, and I think I would agree with you. And I think that that's an interesting. So that was that was where when I felt that emotional opening, I was surprised by it. I didn't re- I wasn't looking for a hard horse. I wasn't looking for that emotional connection. But it was but I also wasn't didn't realize that what I was doing was just kind of approaching it like a business. Yeah, <laughs> And, and, and it's not, or at least it's not for me. Yeah. I think even when it is your business, ideally, even a professional rider would care about the horses. Oh yeah. And I think they all do at at varying levels. Right. And no judgment on that because it is hard. Anytime a horse you're connected to uh, get either leaves or or is injured or has to be put down. You know, I think that's why we guard our hearts. Yeah. We're like, no, I don't want to go through that again, especially right, when you've right. just lost your heart horse, which is, you know, I've never experienced the loss of an animal that was more powerful. Yeah. Oh, I, and I agree with you on that. It, I wound up thinking for months then afterwards, you know, I need to memorialize this relationship. And so I actually wound up getting a uh, a tattoo of a horse on my heart or mm. over my heart, not on my heart. Um, that just for me, um, um, kind of, Im- it, uh, it's gave, gave me kind of a, a sense of peace and a sense of, of connection to something that I had lost. Yeah. I think all of us find a way to do that, whether mm-hmm. it's how we, bury them. Like I have a Mm -hmm. friend who lost her heart horse and was able to bury it in a pasture and plant a tree. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one way. Or in my case, I had her tail made into a necklace that I wear like every day. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like she's always with me. There's so many different ways to do it, but definitely we all feel that. Yeah. I have Tippy's tail in a shadow box with a ribbon and uh, a little charm that has the letter T and a, mm. and a heart. Uh, and I look at it every day. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's right next to the, a picture that was taken at her very first schooling show ever. And um, she has all of her ribbons on her, on her bridle, but I'm standing next to her because at that point, and this is, you know, the uh, off the track thoroughbred, response or uh, personality at that point she'd had enough of a of somebody sitting on her back and so I stood next to her and took <laughs> <the> picture taken <laughs> yep so yeah I mean it's interesting thinking about um the commitment to the horse to your heart horse to you know a horse that you feel a strong bond to um because I think that that commitment is is in part um, a sense of responsibility, but it's also an emotional connection that is Mm -hmm. a little bit more than just, I'll keep this relationship going as long as it's useful. Yeah. No, it's wanting and needing that relationship, that animal in your life, you know? It's not just a responsibility to their care. Right. And I think that sometimes that's, um, you know, it's expectations that we have of ourselves, the expectations that we have of the horse and um, a kind of a growth perspective that we're going to grow together. We're going to learn together and grow together um, rather than this is um, a short-term relationship that was going to get me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a growth, uh, environment that we're, we're, or at least the person is making a commitment to the horse, uh, over time. I think you're, you've touched on this though. I think there is almost a level to which they also choose us. They um, also choose us. Yeah. 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 You know, we choose them, but they, 
they also make it clear that they feel bonded to us. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they come to us, they are affectionate with us or trusting of us in all these different ways. They can show that, that you're special to them as well. You're their person. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, you know, when people say that it's like, oh, you're just saying that, but I've actually seen that connection between a, a horse and a person. So the horse does pick that person out. And is that, that is my person. This is a person that I trust that I feel comfortable with. And, you know, in, in many cases too, it's, I feel um, protective of. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You described Tippy being like protective of the cat or, or the kids or, or you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They definitely do. Especially mares, I think, have more of that, I don't know, nurturing instinct or something. But even the geldings and stallions, too, can get jealous or like possessive. Like, no, this is my person. You can't have her. <laughs> is, so that's kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing, too, is when you when you make connections to horses, even if your connection isn't as deep as a hard horse, but it's a it's a connection that that you become a trusted part of their environment. Um, that's a really special, it's a really special time that you are, um, you are accepted as part of their herd as a, as a, uh, as a member that they can, they feel comfortable and confident around. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about baby horses and certainly that's a big part of baby horses learning to be around people is having positive experiences so that baby horses feels as though they are growing and, and can push against some boundaries, but know that they're going to get confident responses back. Yeah. And you have a young horse, don't you? I do. She's two and a half. Um, So you must be seeing some of that boundary pushing and confidence building as well. A little bit. She's actually (laughs) been so Elena, my, my previous hard horse mm-hmm. I had had since she was a year and a half and uh, she was definitely at that phase in her life where she was going to push boundaries. And she was a dominant mare personality anyway. So very mm-hmm. challenging by contrast, Aria, whom I've known since she was five weeks old is just very like, hi, what are we doing today? <laughs> like she'll go along with almost anything. She certainly has her own ideas sometimes, but She's not nearly as dominant or pushy or uh-huh. challenging by nature. Mm-hmm. So we've had some moments, but honestly, she's really good. She, and it's, it's interesting. I'm sure part of it is she's always known me. Yeah. And yeah. even when she was little, I would, I learned that they're so cute, but you can't let them, you know, walk all over you either, even at that right. point, because they need to right. learn boundaries. and. I was able to do that in a way that she still very much likes and trusts me. I was not harsh with her, but I, mm-hmm. I think having that er- established really early in her life was actually really good. Like she just sort of sees me as her human mom, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a surrogate mom or something like that. Not mm-hmm. just her mm-hmm. person, but the person who has raised her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You and have I, a, a long, you have a relationship with her that started when she was looking for that, um, that nurturing support as well as, uh, guidance. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've really enjoyed raising baby horses. It's not for everyone. Certainly <laughs> they can be very challenging and even, you know, scary or intimidating if it's too much for what your level of horsemanship can handle, you know, right. but, okay. um, I've always had, had help when I needed it and I've appreciated that. And and I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, you introduced, um, you introduced this conversation by saying we knew each other through shows and through CSDEA. And I will have to say that that's been one of the really valuable things for me is having this community of horse, horse people that I can call on if I've got questions or for support, or if there's problems people that have done it before or people that just have bounce ideas off of. 
Mm-hmm. I think that community support has really been, um, and I don't know if that's kind of where you were going sort of towards the end of your comment, but that community support has been really helpful to me uh, as I've run into situations that I don't, that are either that are new situations or that situations that I'm having problems and, and just want some advice about how to, how to yeah. deal with the question. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not just your trainer, but the other people at your barn, they have experiences too. And um, the people you meet at the shows and everything. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about the horse world actually is the extent I've seen of people really helping each other out, you know, supporting each other, cheering on each other and, and being there for each other when there's an injury or a illness or a training issue, you know, Right. Well, I know that when, um, when I had to put Tippy down, there was such a, a, a level of support, um, by people in that community who'd gone through something similar or who just understood the, the emotional pain of losing, um, a horse that you were so emotionally invested in. Um, and I think that that helps you. It certainly helped me get through, uh, some very challenging times. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of other people in our life, our family members, or I don't know, neighbors or coworkers, if they're not horse people might not understand the magnitude of the loss. And I think that the, the depth of the, the depth of the connection, I mean, just mm-hmm. talking about hard horses, it's a term that it's a term that you'd have to explain to a number of people. Yeah. Um, because there, it is a, it is a very special relationship. How would you define hard horse? I was trying to just to define this for my husband earlier and talked about the depth of an emotional connection uh, to a particular horse. And he said, of course, of course you'd be emotionally connected. And I thought, well, yeah, you would be emotionally connected, but it really is much, it's a, it's a deeper sort of emotional connection than, um, you might have. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are people that have heart dogs and heart cats too. So I, I don't know that I can make that comparison. But certainly not everyone that you've ever had in your life counts. Right. Well, and certainly not every horse I've sat on either. Right. So not every horse that I've either owned or sat on um, would be a hard horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how do you define it? It's part of why I wanted to do this podcast <laughs> to, to explore this idea. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent that it's that, that really special connection Mm. where there's a lot of trust between you and the horse. I would say a lot of the people I've talked to too would agree that it's like the horse you would choose to spend time with or ride if you only had time for one or, and, and maybe vice versa, that the horse would also choose you. I think it's an understanding of each other. Sure. Like really sure. knowing who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them happy. Do you think what it's they a, don't do like? Think it's, do you think it's something that um, that really develops over time? I think so. I think they say it takes a year to mm-hmm. bond with a new horse, like just any new horse, on you know, in a okay. sort of normal level. And I think to to bond with a hard horse is probably longer, probably more like two. Yeah. It varies, of course. Um, but I think it does take time to develop that. Even when you have an instant connection as you did with Tippy, yeah. you know, yeah. drawn to her immediately, it still took you time to get to know who she really was. Sure. And thinking about, um, you know, that going from Tippy and her loss, uh, and really trying to I wasn't shut down. I wasn't um, walled off, but I was kind of guarding my emotions at that point. Um, I will say that that particular month that she died, I also had to make the decision to put down an elderly cat and an elderly dog. So I went, 
said goodbye and had to make the decision to say goodbye to a horse, a cat, and a dog within the span of, of a month. Wow. And I began riding a number of horses, picked up on Zeta, um, and rode her for about two years before I bought her. And that was when that sort of emotion was allowed to come back. So it really was um, a two-year period of time to get to know this this second horse. Mm-hmm. Who I don't I don't know if I would specifically at this point call her a hard horse, but we're working we're developing that relationship. I'd say, yeah, but it's it's one that um, I wouldn't be surprised as is working on moving into that that realm of heart horsiness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel with Aria. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. we have a special connection for sure, but I still haven't even ridden her yet. You know, there's so much ahead of us, but I think. Yeah. How exciting. What, a, what an exciting future then to, yeah. to have seen her almost from hitting the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So tell us more about Zeta. So Zeta, Ty Creek Zeta Joe is a 14 year old Morgan mare and her former owner half leased her to um, high school students. And at the time when I lost to be and put out the, my call to be a catch rider to anybody, anybody who needed one, her former owner had just, uh, was just looking for a new lease, half lease person. And so needed somebody to keep Zeta fit and busy while she found somebody else. And she kept, she just hadn't found anybody. Uh, the former owner hadn't really found anybody. And I kept asking, well, can I put her in a schooling show? Can I, do, can we do polls classes? Can we do this? Can we do that? That, she, that the former owner just finally said, you're putting so much time and training into this horse. We'll just sort of work out an arrangement that you're, that I won't look for a, a half lease person for her because you're putting in so much time and effort onto her. So I, we did, um, we did all kinds of firsts for Zeta. Um, first show ever, first um, cantering with an aide, first mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, wearing blankets. I mean, all kinds of fun things, getting off property to go to a show. Um, so little by little, I was introducing her to things. And this was during this time period when I, my relationship with her was, what can we do together? And I'm realizing how much Tippy and I had done together that I had this big um, wealth of potential um, activities and potential interactions uh, to draw on uh, to introduce Zeta to. Well, Zeta turns out that she actually liked being, she liked having a job. She's, I mean, Morgans are, Morgans are horses that like having something to do. Mm-hmm. And she liked having a job. I think a lot of horses like having something to do. Um, she liked having a job. She liked what we were doing. She just, uh, enjoyed uh, the challenge of dressage and being asked to do things that she was, could see, I mean, that she was developing a, a skill at. Um, so right now we have, have just completed what I would say is probably our first real show season since our first show season was supposed to be two years ago. And that was the COVID summer, mm-hmm. the summer of COVID. Uh, we were in one recognized show and one schooling show and that was it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is not unusual because that's what most people's summer was two years ago. Right. So, um, so we just completed our first real show season and this was a horse that because she really had had not much asked of her at first, um, the evaluation, um, was she's a decent enough little horse, but she's so out of shape. Her back is long, her, she's cow hocked. She's probably never going to get behind beyond training. So don't have high hopes, but enjoy your time with her. Well, we just completed um, the show season 
at first. We're working on second level movements. Um, we're working on a freestyle and a pas de deux and, you know, all kinds of things that might be just, just let's see how far we can go. Yeah. She's never, gonna be, she's never going to be totalist, but right. <laughs> very few horses ever will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so we're, we're just seeing how far we can go. Uh, and maybe that's, maybe that's second level. Maybe we'll uh, squeak in a third in there and get a bronze one of these days, who knows? Uh, but the, the types of things that she's willing to, to try are, uh, at this point, kind of endless. So yeah. it's, I'm having a lot of fun with her. She is, um, she's about, so Tippy was about 15, two, um, Zeta is 14, two. So she's quite a bit shorter and it feels like we're just like a little, a little engine that could kind of move <laughs> along. That. Uh, and she has a, a very different personality than Tippy, where Tippy was a very social horse. She was not, she was, she would always find herself to be the second to some dominant gelding. Um, so she would, she was sort of like the second in the pasture. Zeta is definitely um, like, I am the first in the pasture. I am the queen of the pasture. And I don't care how tall you are. I'm the one that I'm the little dog here. I'm the little terrier that is going to nip at your heels. So she, she has a very strong commitment to her own personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've never owned a Morgan, but one of the things I like about them is their versatility. Uh -huh. And I think in general, they are quite friendly and pretty smart, sometimes maybe too smart. <laughs> yes, yes, I think that's true. And, you know, you've talked about horses um, making a commitment to their human, and that is the tagline of the American Morgan Horse Association is the horse that chooses you, oh. which I always sort of thought was like, oh, really? But it, <laughs> there is a little bit of something there that there is a certain a certain component of a horse saying, okay, I, I will let you be my person. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in general, in life, they don't get to make their choices about who owns them or whatever, right. but, but there right. are ways that they can communicate. Yeah. That they choose yeah. us back. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and I think that part of that is that they open up and our trust, uh, they demonstrate their trust in you, that you are a reliable partner. Right. Yeah. Well, and clearly she does because she's gone with you to shows and right. Right. So she's tried dressage and done all kinds of new things. So she's, um, so at this point, our relationship, so I've ridden her now for, oh, almost three years. Um, and we're really moving into, um, a pretty solid relationship. What can we do together? What else can we do together? And what else can we do together? We tried a couple of little teeny lessons, uh, jumping lessons last mm -hmm. summer. Um, just why not? Uh, we've done Cavaletti and I thought, well, let's just try some little baby cross trails. And it took her a little while to figure out what we were doing. But then when I went back to Cavaletti, she was like, we're jumping. We're going <laughs> to jump. <laughs> so I think it would be something fun to, to pursue with her a little bit more. Um, just to see, you know, to give her a little more mental challenge. Yeah. I think it's good for them to have some variety in their training and in our time with them. Yes. I realized that I had forgotten how to how to give her a good, how to give a horse a good jumping seat. So I had to relearn my jumping seat as well, but that was good for me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you mentioned doing a lot of trail riding with Tippy. Yes. Have you done that with Zeta? With well? Zeta. Um, we have to a certain extent. Um, we, we currently are at um, Orchard View Stables. And it's right down the road from the Loose Line uh, Orchard, which was super busy this summer, or excuse me, this fall. Uh, they had a really, really good apple harvest. Mm. But that meant that for several months there were, or at least several weeks, there were 
piles of cars and strollers and kids and dogs. And we tried mm-hmm. to do trail riding. We tried to ride with some friends past uh, a group one Saturday and it was, it was just too much for, uh, for Zeta. So she's fine. She likes trail riding. She likes getting out on the trails, but um, she's, she is also not as um, she, she's very suspicious of new things when okay. they're, when they're things that she doesn't have a, a relationship to, or mm-hmm. I don't mean relationship, but a prior connection to. So going to shows is just like being at the barn, just at a different barn. But uh, walking by strollers and little kids with balloons, that's something entirely different. So, hmm. so we went a different direction and, and we rode in a, in a field and rode round and round a field instead of go past all of the bicycles and, and strollers and so forth. So we'll build up that. Yeah. Product. Yeah. Sounds like she enjoys it, but yeah, has her she, limits she, to what yeah, she enjoys. She enjoys getting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she enjoys, you know, getting out of the ring or getting out of the arena and uh, finding other things to do. She's fine with water. She goes through creeks and lakes and that's not a problem. But strollers and balloons, that was sort of a new challenge for her. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Does Zeta have any favorite treats? She's a pretty much of an omnivore when it comes to treats, although she didn't really take to pumpkin all that well. So she's a big fan of uh, muffins. She's a big, big fan of German muffins. Or if you're, if you're a, a DIY or somebody that makes them yourself, uh, she's a huge fan of muffins. All right. Yeah. I haven't actually run across horse, too many horses that are not fans of of muffins uh, muffins seem to be a pretty really, universal yeah pretty pretty popular mm-hmm. kind of treat yeah i agree you mentioned earlier that tippy taught you a lot as a rider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are you are you able to describe what you learned the sorts of lessons yeah you know that's that's a, that's a really good question because at the time when i started riding i was doing catch riding and so each horse was each horse was an introduction was sort of like speed dating like <laughs> yeah okay this horse is like this and needs this kind of a, a leg all right and then that's the end of that ride and this horse is like so you know in a, in that catch riding situation um it's real. There's really a lot of getting to know the horse and being as, or or for that moment, and being as solid and and uh, non fussy a rider kind of as as you can be. But it was so it was interesting when I started riding Zeta more, and it became more than just um, you know a weekend catch ride. Um, I realized that what Tippy had taught me because she was so demanding um, and really asked, you know, asked of me to be a good rider um, that I had learned a lot about how to sit, um, how to communicate clearly. Um, I still fuss with my hands too much, but um, it was, it was a lot about being a confident rider for the horse and giving that horse confidence that what I was going to be doing with the horse, what we were going to be doing together was something that was non-threatening, but yet there were, there was pretty clear communication about where we were going and what we were doing and what was expected of of both of us. And I I actually was surprised that I was able to bring that much out with Zeta in particular and some of the other horses that I rode more than once was that she had Tippy had really given me over time experiences that led me to realize how, how to be clear in communication with her. Yeah. I think she taught me to be a a better writer. She taught me to be a good writer. What I'm finding with Seda is that she's teaching me to be an even better writer because as she is saying, um, yeah, you're not the boss of me. I'm, 
having to say, yes, I am. And here's where we're going. And well, maybe I'm not the boss of you, but you want to do this anyway, don't you? So, <laughs> uh-huh. You want to leg yield across the arena, right? Make it her idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, try that. Uh, discuss <laughs> it with a mirror thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'd say that if I sat on a lot of horses regularly, I would probably be able to see how that, that transfer of, of uh, knowledge went from one to the next, mm-hmm. but because I put in so much time with one horse um, and it's always really interesting. If you sit on another horse, you realize that not every horse is the same. And, have, and then you think, at least I thought, well, what, what did I know from this horse that will serve me well with this next horse? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the, the knowledge? What's the solution to problems? How can I build confidence in this horse or with this horse uh, so that we can do things willingly and without fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say that's a big part of what I realized Tippy had taught me that she taught me to be a better writer because she had these high expectations and if I didn't meet her high expectations, I was on the ground. So, <laughs> right. You were pretty yeah. motivated to, uh, it was, I was motivated them. to be a decent writer for her. <laughs> and I've never, you know, knock on wood. I, I haven't had that experience with Zeta. Uh, but I do feel as though the work that I put in with Tippy, uh, and all the experiences that I learned about with her, all of her teaching, Actually, that was, that was kind of what I thought about when I started writing Zeta and realized that Zeta hadn't had a lot of things expected of her. Um, you know, she didn't have an aid to a canner. She didn't really know how to bend. She was a great trail horse. She'd been on all kinds of trails before through the woods and so forth, but she hadn't been off property. She hadn't been at shows. There were things that, that I could bring to her to help her expand her world. My thought about um, what I was doing at that time was providing her more opportunities, providing her with, um, with more confidence building situations mm-hmm. um, so that the knowledge that I had from Tippy and Tippy's expectations and that experience is something that I already came prepared to help Zeta have that kind of experience as well. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a good recognition that whatever horses we ride, we're training them, whether we are a trainer or not, that they are learning. Right. And I love how our previous experiences with other horses can inform our training of a new horse and, you know, help it to go smoother. I like the way you said that, that it's providing them with opportunities and basically confidence building in themselves right. and in their rider. I think that's a wonderful way to describe training for the horse. Cause it, it makes them happier with their work and their life and their relationship with people. I, and I think that there's a, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, developing um, a sense of themselves around people mm-hmm. that, um, you know, especially with a, a either a young horse or horses hasn't had a lot of experiences um, to have a, a broader worldview, whether that's for shows or whatever the course that you're that you're giving them. And it helps us also think about what's our what's our role in their development? What's our role in their education? And you know, you're absolutely right. And this is certainly something that you hear trainers say that every time we ride a horse, we're training the horse. Mm-hmm. So what are you bringing to that, to that circumstance that day? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's another, there's another thing that, that our horses teach us is it's hard to, it's hard to not be present for the horse for horses because they're so, um, they're so present in themselves and yeah. they have lo- long memories so they can remember if you 
slammed the door of the trailer or slammed the door of their stall on them. And they're cautious about that, but they also each day is, well, what are we doing today? What's mm -hmm. our, what's our challenge today? What are we, what can I trust that you will bring to me that we can do together? That's not going to hurt me, but it's, we're going to have fun together. Yeah, absolutely. Every day is like that. It's a journey with them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you probably say this to Aria too. And sometimes I'll tack up Zeta and start into the arena or to the outdoor arena or on the trail and say, okay, let's go have fun today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All and right. it, could, it could be a, it could be a lesson. It could be a show. It could be anything, but you just, let's go have fun today. Mm -hmm. It should always be the priority, right? To, right. Absolutely. To just enjoy each other. Yep. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing your story, Lynn. Thank you for asking me, Ingrid. This has really been a, a wonderful journey to think about uh, where horses have taken me and those special horses in my life that have um, that have really deep meaning for me and where we might go together in the future. Well, best Thank of luck you. to you. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ingrid.